Blog Talk Radio. You're on the Giants beat on ScoutWithFoxSports.com. Welcome to the Giants Beat Podcast. This is David Aiken with Aaron York and Fox Sports and Pro Football Focus Fantasy Contributor Dan Schneier. If you're a Seahawks or a Patriots fan, there's still a little more football left to look forward to. But for the Giants, who have now missed the playoffs a third straight year, uh, the season has been over a few weeks now. Uh, it's a disappointing season, no doubt, overall for Big Blue, but there are some positives to take away as well uh, as we look towards the future. Um, during the show, we'll be the offense, the defense, we'll do MVPs, we'll break down some biggest needs and, and disappointments. Look towards the draft a little bit. Uh, never too early to do that. John told the ninth pick. We'll see where they could go with that. Um, but before we go into that, the, the first significant move of the offseason has occurred already. Uh, the return of Steve Spagnuolo as the defensive coordinator with the Giants for two years. Of course, won the uh, the first Super Bowl against the Patriots. He was hailed as the defensive mastermind for that. Hasn't gone quite as well for him after leaving the, leaving the Giants. So it's a move that's as good as uh, for him as it is for the Giants. Uh, Aaron, I'll start with you with this. Uh, were you a fan of the hire first? It seemed like he was the favorite pretty much when his name was thrown into the uh, in the mixer there. Was there any other candidate you would have preferred instead? Uh, it's hard to say there's any other candidate I would have preferred because all the def- all the good defensive coordinators that we're seeing have success, like Todd Bowles and Dan Quinn in Seattle, are uh, taking head coaching jobs. It seems everyone wants a defensive coach as their head coach, so – if you want to hire a defensive coordinator and you want him to be successful, it's almost like you have to go to someone who's not – what? It's almost like you have to go to someone who's not a uh, defensive coordinator right now. And Steve Spagnolo, he uh, didn't have success as a head coach, but as a de- defensive coordinator, he was obviously really good with the Giants. They won the Super Bowl in 2007. They played really well in the regular season and. 2008 before he left to take the Rams job. So I think it's a decent hire. I think it would have been interesting to see what they could have gotten out of Pepper Johnson since he was a defensive line coach uh, and had a lot of success doing that. But, yeah, I don't mind Spagnolo coming back. Obviously, a a lot of Giants fans are going to be happy just because of the Super Bowl thing. But if he has to do a better job than he did with the Saints if he's going to stick around for a long period of time. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, you know, how he was such a hot candidate for the Giants coming after those two years, especially 2008 even, where, you know, he had some losses, straight on retired, and O.T. Namira was not even a get injured in the preseason, didn't play the whole year, and it really made the Giants' defense work. Uh, in terms of record, it was the best they've had uh, under Coughlin. Um, but uh, in terms of other candidates, they did interview uh, Dennis Allen, he, he, former Raiders coach. They did interview Pepper Johnson. Um the, uh, but it really seemed like once Spagnuolo's name came out, it was really – it only seemed like it was going to be him given the familiarity uh, with the Giants and given it was a good uh, change in scheme as well in terms of more aggressive, uh, more energetic uh, style of defense. Uh, Dan, let's get your thoughts in terms of the hire. Were you a fan or was there someone else you would have preferred maybe? I think it was, it was the right hiring um, at the right time. I mean – I think the number one thing that I was looking for and that a lot of Giants fans were looking for, and I think even the front office was looking for, was a defensive coordinator whose main goal was to attack. Uh, 
you don't want to – and the great thing about that Spagnuolo hire is that he knows when to attack, where to attack from, and his key, his key goal is to keep attacking. Um, I went back recently and watched a 2008 game, the year after the Super Bowl, when they played the Steelers, and basically Steve Spagnuolo's defense won the Giants that, that game. Um, and what, what you noticed was, and what I noticed was, consistent uh, A-gap blitzes from the middle linebacker, occasionally from Kawika Mitchell off the weak side. His safeties would be attacking in the box. They'd come up to stop the run. They'd come up to set the edge. And that's really what what we needed. That's what the Giants needed. That's what, in my opinion, every defense in the NFL needs. Um, I don't really think that the days of the two safeties dropping back and zone coverage really really can work on a consistent basis in the NFL. Um, So they got the guys they needed to change things around. Um, and I think that, you know, this guy has learned a lot in his recent run with the Ravens um, and just basically with his failures in the past with the Saints and the Rams. Um, um, and let's be honest, with the Saints, he didn't really have the right talent around him to succeed. He had guys that were fit for the 3-4. Um, and with the Rams, his defenses were never that bad. So I think we're going to see a lot of success out of Spagnuolo. But, again, there's a lot of pieces in play still. We have guys like Jason Pierre-Paul as free agents. Um as a free agent, I should say. So there's still a lot to be done there on the defense, as far as the personnel stand from a personnel standpoint. But I think it was the right hire. He's a guy who will attack and bring safeties into the box. Yeah, you hit on it uh, in terms of looking past the uh, what he's done since he's left the Giants. And uh, Aaron touched on it a little bit more. It didn't work out with the Rams. Uh, but I don't really think you take a head what he did as a as a head coach and really uh, beat him up too much. You know what he's done with the Giants. Uh, in two years. And in terms of the Saints, it was just such a mess that year. Uh, that was the year uh, where the bounty scandal really kind of overshadowed everything. As you mentioned, the personnel wasn't the best either in terms of what he was trying to run. And uh, I mean, if there's a, if you're a coach and you're trying to turn your career around, there's no better place to go than the Ravens, who just seem to be a coaching rehab. Uh, spent two years with them, defensive assistant, and uh, latest as the defensive backs coach. Um, well, we're all on, on the same boat, I think, with that. I think uh, it was the right move to bring Steve Spagnuolo on board. I'm excited to see what the Giants can do with him. Uh, let's go into our season review. Let's just talk about the overall the overall impressions of how the season went. Uh, Aaron and I were doing the show in the preseason. Uh, so I'll start with you, Aaron. When we discussed uh, how the Giants were going, it was really, during the preseason, it was a very it was very sloppy. We kind of wondered how long it would even take for the offense to click. Uh, it clicked pretty quickly after that, that first uh, debacle in Detroit. Um, we were kind of uh, cautiously optimistic um, going into the season if things could click, uh, but patience was kind of the operative word. How did you feel uh, in terms of how you felt the season was going to go and how it actually happened? Huh. I was – I mean, it's, it's always surprising when you go on a roller coaster ride like the Giants did this season where they – they lost the first two, then it looks like they're three and two and on track to the playoffs, and then they dropped seven games in a row. So I, I'm surprised. I thought they would contend for the playoffs. I think I said either nine and seven or ten and six. Uh, I thought it would come down to the last game against Philadelphia. Unfortunately, unfortunately, the team was eliminated before that game. So I'm surprised at how poorly it went. I think uh, those last five games where they have a fluke loss to Jacksonville and then they have three pretty good wins before losing to Philadelphia. I think that was more indicative of, of how I thought the season would go than the uh, certainly than the seven-game losing streak. 
where they had a couple tough breaks, but overall the defense just did not play well enough during that streak to give them a chance to win. And then you have the whole Odell Beckham Jr. angle that just took the whole league by surprise. So overall it's disappointing, but if you look at how they played down the stretch, if you look at how Eli Manning played overall, he's an older quarterback now. So when you see him have a, an improvement like this, it's a, it's a really good sign. And then obviously Beckham brings you into a whole new world of possibilities of what you can do with the offense. So I think there's a lot of hope going for – going into next year, but overall it's disappointing the way the injuries went, it's disappointing the way the defense played, and uh, but the the offense I thought was at a pretty good level, the running game could have been better hopefully with a full year of Jeff Schwartz that will turn around and Andre Williams will be more experienced so overall bad, uh, but a lot of hope going into next year that they can be a playoff team again yeah, it's interesting because when you reflect on how the season actually went relative to what you were kind of hoping to see from the team, uh, you did get some of it. As you mentioned, the turnovers were cut. Uh, I got a superstar making plays in Odell Beckham. Um, but, you know, the the difference in a way, the offensive line, a lot of resources were put into improving that and the run game. But the the overall improvement margin was minimal. Um, and you look at the defense as well, that took a major step back. Um, and it ultimately cost Fairfield his job as well. Um so it's not that disappointing, but there's definitely things to look forward to, I, I think, as well. Uh, Dan, we didn't have you on the show in the preseason. Uh, we have you now. So how did you – when you uh, were analyzing the Giants going into the season, how did you feel they were going to do, and how did it match uh, what happened now? I, I, I was kind of uh, with Aaron on the fact that I thought they'd be about 10-6. and six. Um, I really liked what they did in the offseason, and I really thought they built a strong roster for 2014. But – Again, um, uh, it doesn't surprise me that they that they failed because uh, you know they just dealt with injuries that were impossible to overcome. You can't lose a middle linebacker in a four three, especially not Fuel's type of four three with Beeson. You can't lose a guy like Will Hill um, and all the guys they lost in the secondary um, as well. So so that didn't surprise me, including even a guy like Robert Ayers towards the end of the year, who was really their best defensive lineman uh, before Jason Pierre-Paul's late season surge. So really that. The defense being otherworldly bad doesn't surprise me because I think they had a really, really, really poor scheme and they just didn't have talent to overcome the scheme. So um, I was excited to see what the progress they made on offense. That didn't surprise me either. I, I, I really think Eli Manning was a strong quarterback and last season was, was kind of a, a combination of an offense getting stale and predictable with an offensive line that was, was frank, quite frankly, somehow worse than this year's offensive line, which wasn't even that great. So... Um, the season didn't surprise me once it got going and the injuries started rolling, but but um, before the season, I did have high expectations. Yeah, it's interesting because the Giants made so many moves, and the injuries do play uh, a definite part uh, to some extent. I think on the balance, you know, people would say that, you know, signing like Rush Cromartie, he's a good player when he's on the field. Uh, Robert Ayers, as you mentioned, when they're on the field. Um, and even Josh Schwartz, you know, who barely played a snap, how different would it be if he started the whole season? Uh, in terms of getting a push in, in the middle. Um, so it's hard to say, but um, it was definitely disappointing. And I think the fact that there's enough hope given given those signings uh, in terms of they're healthier next year, uh, the Giants can really take a step forward in addition mm-hmm. to what they'll make this year, which is probably why uh, Jerry Reese's job is not quite in question as question as it could have been. Um, let's go into the offense. Uh, it, was a, it was a great year for Eli Manning, a huge bounce back year, a lot of hope going uh, forward in terms of how, how the team progresses in the second year. 
uh, that Matt could use offense. Uh, let's elect an MVP. Um, there's probably, you know, two main choices you could think of. Uh, Aaron, I'll start with you. Who was the most valuable player on offense for the Giants this year? I'm going to say Odell Beckham Jr., although you could certainly make the argument that without Eli Manning delivering the ball, he doesn't have as great a season. Uh, maybe if you take an average quarterback that Beckham doesn't do all sorts of amazing things that he was that he managed to do, uh, but Beckham was just so outstanding. He gave the offense such a kick in the butt in that second half of the season that I have to give him the most valuable offensive player award. He was uh, just unprecedented in the way uh, the way he went about just breaking the records he did as a as a rookie, and the, and it wasn't just one or two big games. It was just consistency. I, how many games did he go? It was like the last seven or eight games, he didn't go below 90 yards. He had that touchdown streak at the end of the season that was so outstanding. So they did have some a couple of good offensive games uh, against Washington, against Houston before Beckham broke onto the scene, but the way he played down the stretch makes him my most valuable player. Yeah, he was the only Giant to receive a uh, all-pro vote as well. Um, so the in terms of the excellence, uh, it was definitely there in spades with him. Uh, Dan, do you agree? Do you take uh, Beckham's half-season of excellence, or do you prefer perhaps Eli Manning's on the balance the whole season? Uh, if it were up to me, I might even consider giving this award to Ben Mack, the offensive coordinator, who I think deserves a lot of credit for the Giants' turnaround. Um, just in the entire system, and not only his system, his play calling. Um, you see a Giants offense move from 30th in red zone scoring uh, from a touchdown percentage to, you know, in the top 5 or 10 um, all season long. And and in that it's red zone offensive play calling, it's play calling off turnovers, and it's general system that I think he did a great job with. But as far as MVP, because it goes to a player, of course, um, I would, in fact, give it to Beckham, but I do think it's a really close race. Eli Manning... Um, had the type of season he had, 30 and 14 TD interception, his highest uh, career completion percentage, over 4,000 yards, I think 4,300, which was which is the second most in his career. Um, and he had this season with a makeshift offensive line that featured guys like John Jerry, who struggled. Justin Pugh was injured at, in and out of the lineup, um, didn't play that great when he was there. PD was on and off. You know, down the line we have guys like uh, Richburg and Walton who didn't play that well either. Um, and he still put together such a strong season. That's also losing guy like Victor Cruz, uh, um, you know, his main guy in the slot and his go-to receiver. So I think I would give Beckham the edge just because what he did was just so ridiculous. Um, and he he was used all around the offense, and he basically became the offense um, for the final weeks when the Giants finally started to win games, um, with albeit an easier schedule. But I do think it's a really close race. Yeah, I think you know you have to you have to give Beckham the the mantle just because this season was so special and what he what he's done has just been so impressive. Um, but in terms of what Eli Manning did, uh, I, I do have to agree it's been as close as well, just because the the amount of moving parts, as you mentioned, the offensive line, losing Cruz and then having to bring uh, you know bring up Odo Beckham slowly after missing the first quarter of the season, um, he really did a lot in terms of reinventing himself. And the, um, in terms of Ben McAdoo as well, there was a great point in terms of red zone efficiency, especially because some people uh, may hold him too accountable for the you know the red zone phase or whatever. Um, but I think you're, you're spot on in terms of uh, the future of the offense and what he even did uh, this year in terms of revamping a very poor 
uh, red zone offense uh, the previous year. Um, so I think the Giants definitely have something to build around, if not in their in their scheme and the quarterback and the top receiver as well, Odo Beckham. Uh, let's flip the script a little bit, though. Let's talk about the biggest need. Uh, Dan, let's bring it right back to you. Um, where do you think the Giants' biggest weakness was? Uh, and if it's, you know, offensive lines or a particular spot, you think the Giants really should attack, um, perhaps the depth, maybe the tight end. Uh, what do you think? Uh, are we talking just on offense? Just on offense for now, yeah. Um, I think the biggest weakness on offense was was either the right tackle position or the tight end spot. Um, I think it was seen most in the running game. Um, Giants did a really poor job of setting the edge and getting to the edge on edge runs, um, and I'll blame that on you know right tackle Justin Pugh, who wasn't the greatest run blocker, but more so on the tight end position where they had to use guys like Larry Dinell, who was, as I mentioned on an earlier podcast, the worst run blocking tight end according to Pro Football Focus. So. I think that's an area they can really look to upgrade on offense, um, either of those two spots, to really get an anchor that can help them in the running game because that's really where their biggest issue was on offense in 2014. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, In terms of uh, possible uh, moves the Giants can make there, of course they're invested in Justin Pugh, at least for a little while longer. I think that's a fair thing to do. Um, It sounds like the Giants are are flirting with the idea of moving into guard. Perhaps in the top ten it might be a tackle they grab. Uh, or perhaps sign one in free agency as well. Uh, there's a few things the Giants can do there. Um, Aaron, I'll, I'll ask you, uh, what do you think the Giants' biggest need is? Do you agree with Dan, or do you think they should go somewhere else? Um, you, it's hard to argue with the offensive line with them needing to add to it because I think when Tom Coughlin looks at what the Cowboys did this season, how Tony Romo was able to have such a great year and they were able to run the ball so well behind they're off of the line, and, of course, they chose Zach Martin in the first round of the draft, and that was a big part of their success. Uh, I think that's exactly what Coughlin wants to do. He wants to be able to run the ball behind a really powerful line and work the throwing off of that, and and it's uh, pretty amazing to think of what Manning could do if he had a better running game and a better off the line this season. So... I think off the line is a place to go, and they also need to continue building the wide receiver core uh, because you, and it's funny to think of that because of what Odell Beckham did for this team. But you have Victor Cruz had a devastating knee injury, and uh, and that um, should have opened up things for Ruben Randall uh, with Beckham playing so well, but he didn't have a great year. And then the third guy, Preston Parker, was someone who you don't want to have to rely on. And if you look at teams around the league, they've made more out of that slot wide receiver role, like Green Bay and Devontae Adams. You have teams like the Patriots and Julian Edelman out of the slot, causing teams a lot of trouble there. So if the Giants can add another slot receiver, it can really expand what Eli Manning can do. But uh, I put on the line as first priority and then wide receiver and then probably tight end because Larry Donnell, after that three-touchdown game against Washington, just not great the rest of the year. And like Dan's touched on before, if he's not going to catch the ball consistently, he should be a better blocker. I think you did on, a, on quite a few good points there. Uh, the offensive line, definitely a priority. But I think uh, you have to evaluate Ruben Randall and where he'll be if you can trust him to take the step up that we saw towards the end of the season. Um, perhaps not round one or maybe round two, but maybe you take a, a flyer on 
on a receiver in the third or fourth round, um, or perhaps sign someone in free agency in the lower level uh, salary, uh, just because you know Manning struggled so much um, with the complimentary targets for so long. There wasn't much efficiency growing to uh, to Ruben Randall, and he did and uh, didn't really. Uh, it, I mean, it was really only Odo Beckham that he really just consistently had a rapport with. And I think you look at the McAdoo scheme, and you look at um, you know the ones that do it the best. You know, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Drew Brees in terms of, you know, getting the ball all over the field. Their, their completion percentage is much higher than what Eli Manning's was, even though Eli it was the best of his career. So the next step in terms of really mastering and becoming excellent in the scheme is, is getting more target that he's more comfortable with and, and can win, uh, get space, and, and take a ball run. Um, so I think, you know, definitely offensive line, you have to protect better. You have to get the running game going as well. Um, but the receivers definitely getting more depth and quality there is definitely something to look forward to as well. Um, let's go to defense. Uh, it was a tough year, definitely, for the Giants on defense, and Perry Fuel paid for it with his job. Um, let's, if we can name one player as your MVP, uh, Aaron, who would you pick? Oh, defensive MVP is really tough. Uh, I think I'm going to go Dominic Rogers cromartie because I think even though he was playing through his own injuries, he held up really well. We saw the rest of the secondary Got hurt by injuries. They lost to Mukamara. They lost. I'm blocking out his name right now. Shout it out. They lost the first game of the season. Thurman. Walter Thurman. They lost Walter Thurman to injury. And Prince Mukamara, like I said, he was struggling through his own injuries and he made it through the whole season. I thought he played at a really high level. And. I, they the Giants have really valuable players elsewhere in the field. Hankins, you have uh, Jason Pierre-Paul coming through and playing like he wanted that contract in the second half of the season. But I think Prince Mukamara throughout the whole season was pretty consistently at a high level, and I think the defense would have lot, been a lot worse without him. That's an interesting pick. Just because, I mean, when he was on the field, he definitely uh, looked the part and was a good player, but there just wasn't enough of it. Um for the full season. Dan, what do you think? What uh, Do you think it's uh, someone in the secondary? Do you think it's someone on the defensive line? What do you think? Um, I think Dominique Rogers-Marty was definitely a great call uh, by by Aaron. I mean, people don't realize how good he was in coverage, um, how, how, how much responsibility he had in the secondary, especially given the injuries. But my MVP would actually would actually go to Jonathan Hankins on the defensive line. The second-year pro, I thought, was was really unbelievable this year. Um, and he was consistent the whole year vis-a-vis a guy like Jason Pierre-Paul, who kind of turned it on at the end, or even DRC, who had a couple down games. Hankins was really a beast in the run game and a beast as a pass rusher. He had 21 QB hurries and then six hits and eight sacks from a, from a defensive tackle spot. And, and for the most of the year, he played the one technique, which is really not even supposed to generate much pressure, which is just shows how good he was in those one-on-ones and sometimes double teams beating the, being the guard at left guard and the center. So, uh, you know, to go along with that, he had 30 stops in the running game, um, a stat that Pro Football Focus uses to really show when a run play was turned into a negative by a single defender. Um, and, then, you know, those are close to tops in the league. Um, so he was a really good run defender, a really good pass rusher from his spot, and I really thought he was the best player in the Giants' defense. Yeah, if I had to pick one player for me as well, it would be Jonathan Hankins. Uh, just because, as you mentioned, the the quality of play was consistent throughout the season. Um, you know, uh, Rogers Cromartie 
he missed some time with injury when he was on the field, was excellent. And hopefully if he's healthy for all next season, he'll be a difference maker as well. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, I kind of question his uh, where was the production when the Giants really needed it uh, during the heart of that of the season, um, even though he did come on hot towards the end. Um, so I definitely agree with Jonathan Hankin. Sometimes it's just hard to hard to look at a defensive tackle when, the, when a run defense overall is so poor, but he's definitely he definitely held up his own in both phases. Um, let's look at uh, needs this time. There's probably a lot more needs on defense, uh, given what the Giants were this past year. Um, Dan, what do you think in terms of biggest needs? Uh, defensively, they've got a ton of needs. Um, they're going to first have to figure out, first and foremost, the safety situation. Losing Will Hill was a huge negative to uh, at the beginning of the season. Will Hill is now a free agent, and he may want to have ideas of reuniting with Coach uh, Steve Spagnuolo, who coached him and really had some high praise for him last week. But, again, in the past he's mentioned that being in New Jersey was the reason why he, he kind of let his life get out of control. So I wouldn't count on that if I were Giants fans. And, really, it's tough to address the safety situation in general. Um, Andrew Lowell had his worst year as a Giant. He's a free agent, and he's getting older. So, I mean, it's really hard to address tight end, uh, I'm sorry, safety and free agency. You look at the Eagles and Saints who handed out mega contracts to Jairus Bird and – Malcolm Jenkins, respectively, Eagle got Jenkins. Um, and those were two big, pretty much busts for each team. Their secondary were still among the league's worst after handing out mega contracts. So it's tough to find them in the draft. It's tough to find them in free agency. Um, and just a quick look on the draft, the best safety prospect by far is Landon Collins, and most believe he's just kind of more of an in-the-box in Cam Chancellor type guy. So, you know, the Giants are in trouble at that position, and it's their biggest need. I'm just not exactly sure how they'll be able to address it. Yeah, that's an interesting point, especially in terms of the uh, the mega contract. It's, it's a very uh, secondary in general free agency can be a, uh, a volatile position in terms of uh, giving out a big deal. Sometimes you sometimes you nail it, sometimes it blows right up in your face. Um, Aaron, do you agree uh, in terms of the needs on defense? Yeah, I think safety is definitely a a place you need to target as. Uh, especially with Angel Roll, his contract seems to be running out at just the right time. So you have to move on from him and try to get younger and try to get better. It seems with Ukamara, you have a franchise cornerback that is all the rage these days, and hopefully Dominic Rogers Camardi can play just as well against next year. And then you already have a lot of depth at that cornerback position, so safety is number one. And um, But then... Pass rushers have to be a priority, especially if you let Jason Pierre-Paul go. With if he comes off the books and Roll comes off the books, that opens up a lot of cap space for the Giants. So it, you can add through the draft, or you could add through free agency. But I think a, a big part of that decision goes through whether or not you re-sign Jason Pierre-Paul, and that's going to kickstart uh, the whole off-season for the Giants. It's going to affect where you draft. It's going to it's going to affect how you draft, and it's going to affect the types of players you target in free agency. Yeah, that's a good point. I think Jason Pierre-Paul is really going to be the domino effect, whatever the Giants do with this. I suspect they'll try to find a way to franchise him. Uh, I think that's the safest thing to do, really, too, just given that uh, his production was strong on paper and towards the end of the season, but can you really give a contract to someone who just came on for half the season? It's a it's a tough thing to do. Um, but... Uh, Definitely plenty of needs, and if, if they do let Jason Pierre-Paul go, it, you know, that probably becomes the number one priority overall on defense. Uh, we have a few minutes left. Uh, let's go to the draft. The Giants hold the ninth pick. Um, there's a couple of good offensive linemen prospects. There's pass rushers. 
Uh, I know, Dan, you have someone particular in mind. Who do you think the Giants should go with thus far? It's early in the process, of course, but who are you looking at right now? This isn't necessarily even a guy I think they should definitely go with, but I think a, a, a riser that I think uh, it really has intrigued me over the last few days of coverage has been Danny Shelton, who's at, who's at the Senior Bowl as well. Um, Danny Shelton from Washington Uni- University, the Huskies, um, he's kind of like a, a hybrid one technique and three technique defensive tackle. They put him, they slot him right now as a nose tackle, but the guy is, you know, down to 343 pounds, hopes to get to 330. He has insane quickness and burst for his size. He reminds me a lot of Jonathan Hankins. He had nine tackles last year, 16 and a half tackles for losses, and 90 tackles in total, which is insane. He was a force last year for the Huskies. Um, he's not quite Aaron Donald, and Aaron Donald was just a pure three technique and about 40 pounds lighter, but he's not quite. Donald in sense that he's not going to make the same kind of rookie impact that Donald made, but he's a guy that you can slot next to Hankins and really secure the defensive line. And as we know, under Spagnolo, you really need to secure and have a great defensive line first, and the rest can kind of fall into place by his scheme, um, where he uses different pe- different pieces of the back seven linebackers and secondary uh, to do different things. So I really think it's it's good to look at defensive line or offensive line in the first round. And unfortunately for the Giants, there's not that many great 4-3 defensive ends. So uh, I got my mindset on this defensive tackle, and, and uh, I'm kind of hoping he, he he can rise up the board and maybe the Giants see something that I see in him. Yeah, that's a good point uh, in terms of that kind of player. I think the Giants have, made, have had a lot of success targeting those kind of players up front where you kind of figure you take the biggest, fastest, strongest player – and, you know, mold him. And, you know, there's only so many people on the planet that have that kind of ability. And if you have them on your team, you have an advantage. Um, Aaron, what do you think? Is there a position you feel like the Giants should really be targeting uh, top top ten of the drink in the draft? I think they should do what they did last year and and pick who they think is the best player available, provided it stays within one or two positions whether it's one of the pass rushers like Vic, Be- Vic Beasley out of Clemson or Dante Fowler Jr. out of Florida or Landon Collins, who Dan mentioned before, out of Alabama or the big tackle from Iowa, Brandon Schreff. Probably one of those four guys would be my pick for the Giants, depending on who they think is the most, is the most talented and, and also who they think can help them next year because they have enough talent to make a run at the playoffs. So if they think one of those players is more seasoned than the other one, then that might be the pick to go with in that situation. But there seem to be a number of players at the, at the needs that we talked about that are around where the Giants are picking. So I think there are, there are a lot of choices, and they should go with whoever they think is the most talented and the best football player. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the ninth pick, any top ten pick really presents a great opportunity uh, to get a great player uh, regardless of position. And the Giants, uh, I mean, the Giants have needs, uh, they can't, but they can't also really uh, cherry-pick the, the biggest need for the right player. It doesn't often work that way. I mean, Odell Beckham, for example, is not, you know, number one, the receiver is not number one on the Giants' needs list, but it was definitely a move that paid off in spades. Um yeah, I think the Giants, uh, of course, depends what Jason Pierre-Paul does in terms of looking for another pass rusher. Maybe you show a lot of faith in Demontre Moore. You have Robert Ayers for another year uh, if Pierre-Paul does come back. Um, my only look at, I look at two tackles for me, uh, Brandon Schrift and uh, Loyal Collins, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, two guards slash tackles. I really, the Giants are going to move players around, especially on the right side. Those are two players that you can look to slide in 
uh, ideally at either position and help the run game and really fortify that. Um, well, we're towards the end now. But, uh, before we leave, thought it would be a good idea to do Super Bowl predictions, Super Bowl in two weeks. It is the Patriots and Seahawks, two teams the Giants are familiar with. Seahawks played them this year. Uh, Patriots, you know, the Giants are the reason Tom Brady is not able with the best quarterback of all time. Um, and Belichick as well, without a doubt. Um, so, Aaron, I'll get your thoughts first. Who do you think is going to win the game? This is really close, and the the uh, early line in the game suggests it's going to be really close. I'll stick with Seattle because just because of all this uh, talk about the Patriots, uh, now it's turning into a ball deflation scandal, I guess, is it could hurt their preparation. It could even hurt them on the field if the NFL decides to really lay the hammer down on Bill Belichick and take him out of the Super Bowl, which is probably not going to happen. But if the media ramps up, we've seen the media pressure the NFL into doing things this season that they might not have wanted to do before the media pressure ramped up. So I'm going to go with Seattle just because of all the clouds and the unknown surrounding the Patriots right now. I'll say Seattle wins 23-20. to 20. Ooh, close one. Yeah, uh, I think it'll be a close one no matter what happens. Uh, Aaron or Dan, rather, what do you think is going to happen? I think it's easy to look at last week's performance and say the Patriots are an easy favorite here, but over the course of the season, I think the NFC was a lot stronger. Um, I do think this is a much, much better Patriots team than in recent years, particularly on the defensive end with Jamie Collins, outside linebacker, and Daryl Revis in the secondary, uh, and also Browner. Um, and the emergence of Chandler Jones, among others, but and their offense is clicking with Gronk, but I do think that over the course of the season, the Seahawks were a better team. The NFC was a stronger conference. So I'm going to go with Seahawks in a close one on another final drive by Russell Wilson to win this one, uh, let's say, 20-17. to 17. Oh, another close one. I'm going with Seattle as well. I think the Patriots consistently play uh, excellent football, but I think a team like Seattle, uh, especially after how they won, last week and the emotions, I think they'll really rise to the occasion. I mean, they have a pension for sloppy play, and that's something the Patriots time and time again will take advantage of. Uh, but I think sort of like how it went last year, where Seattle did not get much of a chance. Of, well, of course, they're getting much more chance this year. Uh, and they just came out and dominated the, the Broncos. I don't think they're going to dominate the Patriots, but I think they'll find a way to win this. And, and a little like how the Patriots lost to the to the Giants, I think the Giants will uh, – or the the Seahawks will do what the Giants kind of did and, and start, you know, right away, hold them, uh, maybe get a quick a quick field goal, take a 3 nothing lead, and hold that for a little while. I think it's going to be an exciting game. I think this is the best matchup in terms of the two best teams from each conference. So I'm excited to see it, and I think the Seahawks will take it. I'm going to say 24-20. So close game as well. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been our season preview, or review. Uh, this is David Aiken, Aaron York, and Dan Schneier as well. Uh, be sure to check us out in the coming weeks. We'll likely put out a, a preview uh, as we get closer to free agency and the draft, uh, covering more needs and depths, perhaps more names as we get to see what the Giants do with Jason Pierre-Paul uh, and whether they look to re-sign other free agents or if they try to revamp things a little more. Um, we'll have a show for you later, uh, perhaps next month for that. Um, and also check out thegiantsbeat.com for your latest news and analysis. Thank you all for listening. Again, this is David Aiken, Aaron York, and Dan Snyder. Thank you all for listening.